All right, somebody ate their Wheaties this morning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Today, when we look at uh, the third chapter of John, we'll uh, really see how... Jesus gets to the core of the matter. He gets to the the soul of the matter with uh, Nicodemus who comes to to speak with him. And he, uh, there is within each of us this, this hunger for God, to weep for God. Um, to longing um, to be with God, but as um, my son likes to say, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. That, uh, but are we? And what we'll see with, with Nicodemus is he had to wrestle with, and wrestled with, I think, throughout the entire Gospel of John, wrestled with, you know. Does he really want to get to the the soul of the matter, the the core issue of what it means to walk with God? And that's that's a question that I I put before each of us as we, not only as we look at John chapter 3, but as we walk through the entire gospel of John. Because what Jesus ultimately will call for us to do is not just to, Hang out with him, not just to be his friend, not just to um, consider him, but he will ask Nicodemus and he will ask us to lay it all aside for him in order to follow him. So I put that um, before us as we venture into this particular conversation, just as we continue. Um, to walk through the Gospel of John so that you'll ask yourself, do you really want to walk with God? Is it truly worth everything? Let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that uh, as we read your word, as we gather here together, that you'll, you'll reveal to us the Maybe the ways that we're um, not walking with you. You'll reveal to us the things that hold us back. You'll you'll reveal to us the things that we don't see. So that we might indeed give our whole self unto you. Speak to us through your written word. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Invite you to turn to page 863 in your pew Bible if you want. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It'll also be on the screen. But it's the very bottom part, right-hand corner of page 863. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, 
No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And as we see with Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus gets right to the core because He recognizes that the core of the issue is what is absolutely essential. It affects It affects what we see, as he says. It it affects what we do. But you've got to get to the core, to the soul of the matter. There's a a story um, on the uh, Gulf Coast of an old steamship that was uh, driving up and down the coast and up and down the Mississippi. And they couldn't get the steamship fixed. Something kept going wrong with it. It just wasn't running smoothly. And they were changing out different parts all the time. And the last part needed to change out was the smokestack, you know, the big steam stack that came out of it. And they had it, pulled it up on the dock, and they took the crane, put it in, and picked up the smokestack to put it over to the side. And when they put it on the ground, this you know, three-story tall stack just came crumbling to the ground because the, the steam and the hot weather, the humidity and all the, 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 the traveling that it had done over the years had totally disintegrated all the, the, the concrete and the mortar and the bricks on the inside. The only thing that had held it together probably for the last several years were the 50 coats of paint that were on the outside of this stack. It's easy to throw another coat of paint on. But it doesn't get at the core of the matter. It doesn't get at the soul of the issue. And that's what Jesus wants to get at with Nicodemus and with everybody else that he encounters. 
Now, Nicodemus, he's attracted to Jesus. There's something that he, he sees something in Jesus. There's something about God that he sees in him. And so he, he knows this and he's seen it. He's seen it in the signs and the miracles. So he comes to him. There's something about you. And Jesus, again, straight to the core. No one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born from above. Now, some of your translations may have born again. The word actually means both. And one of those times that John does this pretty regularly, where he uses a word that has a dual meaning and then describes it throughout the conversation. But it is both born again and born from above. So Jesus tells him... If you want to see the kingdom of God, then you have to be born from above. If you, you, you want to enter into the kingdom of God, then you have to be born again. You have to be born of water and spirit. There has to be a spiritual birth within you. If you want to see the kingdom and you want to enter into it. Now, let's just walk through that statement for a little bit. Let's unpack what does it mean, the kingdom of God. You know, we, we use that term a lot. And we actually, in uh, the adult spiritual formation class, one of the things we were talking about today was Christian ease, ways that we can use phrases that we've heard and they don't even mean anything to us anymore, let alone people on the outside of the church. What does it mean when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God? It's important for us to know it because this is what he talks about more than anything else in all of his words. He talks about the kingdom of God. These words come off of his lips 60 times in the Gospels. Well, Jesus gives us a little bit of a hint to that with the prayer that we're praying these days together in the Lord's Prayer. You know, Thy kingdom come... Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In a simple way, the kingdom of God is when God's desires are being fulfilled. When God's creation is living in, in a way that it is in accord with its creator. When, when we live together fulfilling the very design of God is the kingdom of God. Living, a community of people living in a vibrant, loving, obedient relationship with their creator. That's the, the kingdom of God. I mean, God is king and we are his servants. Walking with him. That's, that's what the kingdom of God is. And what Jesus tells Nicodemus, who is a good guy. I mean, get Nicodemus right here. Nicodemus was a smart guy. He, he was well-educated, even in religious things, right? I mean, he, he was probably one of those first-child overachiever types. You know, good husband, good father, leader in the community, leader in the church even. And Jesus tells him, you won't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born spiritually. 
You, you will not enter. No one will enter into this kingdom of, of living according to God's design unless you are born from above. You can't see it and can't be a part of it unless your spirit is alive. And unless your spirit is walking with, in tune with, the very spirit of God. Now this term, the second term then, this born again, born from above, is makes it clear, a work of the Spirit. I mean, Nicodemus, he doesn't get this part. He doesn't get this spiritual part. He's, I mean, you see, he wants to keep it material. He, he, he says, well, wait a minute, how does this work? I've got to be born from above. I've got to be born again. How do I get back inside my mother's womb? How does that work? So he was keeping it all on a material, physical, literal realm. Wasn't capable. See, he wasn't there yet. He wasn't able to see the kingdom of God. Now that's not that unusual for many in our age who, who want to say there's no real spiritual being. There's no real spiritual existence. It can all be explained chemically. Little biochemistry, little understanding of how the brain works. You know, what we would call a spiritual experience is just the, the, the right chemicals being released at the right time and the right synapses going off. It's just a heightened state. There's not anything beyond the body and the material. But Jesus is clear in verse 6. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to, that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. This is a work of the spirit of God in our own spirits to wake us up to aliven our very spirit that we are in communion we're in relationship with the living God now what I really like too about this metaphor what's really challenging is that this is re, this is being born again this, this isn't he could have said you, you won't see the kingdom of God unless you get a new set of eyes so we just got to do a little surgery on your eyes. Now, or you, you won't enter in the kingdom of God unless we take care of that little cancer on you right there. So we just got to do a little surgery and clean you up. The, the metaphor of birth is it's a whole body experience. You know, I, I've, I've been at four of them actually. My, three of my own and then another. And each one, it was a full body experience of each one that were given birth. And so, Jesus, to, to Nicodemus, this is a full body. This takes everything about you, body and spirit. It's not just a little surgery here, or a little removal here, or a little cleaning up. This part of you. If you want to enter into, if you want to 
get into. It's, it's really the hokey pokey. Right? There's none of this, or, or the end, the last verse of the hokey pokey. You know, or as somebody told me after the first service, the holy pokey. You know, there's no putting your right arm in and taking it out. It is that last verse. Put your whole self in. And you can shake it all about if you want. But there is no just putting a part of it in. It is full birth. Sound like somebody was having memories of their birth back there. It is birth of the of your relationship of your whole self with what we've been singing about this whole morning, with the God of all creation. Now what Nicodemus then must do is trust Jesus. Because he still doesn't get it. He, he still, it's not all cognitively there, which is okay. You, because none of us are going to get it all cognitively. Because if we do, if we think we understand God fully, then we better run because that means we think we're God. So we're not going to get it all. And that's, and that's what I love about his interaction with Nicodemus. And, but just Jesus says to Nicodemus, you know, come on, you're, you're one of the teachers though. But even here, I mean, he had it all. What he didn't have was the trust of Jesus. He tells him, then the rest of the, in verses 11 and on, he says, listen, Nicodemus, you, you, you don't even trust what I tell you we've done on earth. How are you going to trust me when I tell you what's happening in heaven? If you, if you can't trust me in the material world of what we can see and feel, how are you going to trust me in the spiritual realm of things that you can't see? But you got to believe me. you got to trust me because I've been there. And I am here. And then... Jesus uses, verse 14, a story that Nicodemus would understand about Moses and lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. If you recall, it was a story with the the people of Israel and they were um, uh, being attacked by snakes and what what, uh, Moses was told to do is make a, a serpent um, out of uh, uh, metal, put it up in the air and have everybody look at the serpent. If they look at the serpent, then God will protect them from the snakes and the snake bites. It was a simple act of trust, of believing that, yes, this is how God will rescue us. So Nicodemus, so Jesus, using that story that would be very familiar to Nicodemus, since he was a teacher of the scriptures, he would have easily heard that to say, what you need to do, Nicodemus, is trust me with your whole self. Believe me. Nicodemus, you're going to have to give up control. That's the problem with those people that like to live in our head. If it's in our head, we can control it. If we understand it, we can control it. If we give it words, we can control it. 
But what Nicodemus needed to do was he, and it's true for a lot of folks that are in the same category as Nicodemus, it's hard just to give it all in trust, dependence upon God. And that's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. And at the end of the passage then, John is really, I think, John's commentary on this um, verse 16. I think John is writing that now as a commentary. I don't think that's out of Jesus' mouth, but um, uh, uh, other folks think differently, but that's okay. The truth of what it says is the same. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. What's, what's really important, what's crucial here is that what we jump into, what we enter into, this kingdom of God, we, we jump into the loving embrace of God. I mean, the reason God the Creator came among us wasn't to, to lambast us, but it was to give us an invitation. It was, to, it was to help us get beyond the things we need to control, get beyond what we think we know, get beyond our limited sight and look to the core of the matter and say, here, here's where God wants to meet you. Trust me. Believe me. Give your whole self to Him because He's given His whole self to you. And this life eternal... This life eternally says you have is not life forever. I mean, you understand everybody we, we say lives forever. It's just with whom do you live? And this life eternal is life in the kingdom. It's life with God. It's not just quantity of life, but quality of life. And it's not something that you have to wait for. It's something that we have can taste and experience even now as we give our whole self and trust and dependence upon God. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. I mean, this is His offer of rescue. His his offer of, of, of communion with Him. His offer of relationship with Him, of life with God today, tomorrow, and forever. Now what I wonder for us and invite us to consider is, are are we playing the hokey pokey with God? I mean, I think it's what we, I I do it regularly. You know, give Him some and then sort of hold a little bit out. I don't have my wallet on me, but sometimes that's what we, you know, hold out. What, are you playing hokey pokey with God? You know, there's an interest. You're like Nicodemus. You got an interest. Might be intellectual. Might be spiritual. You know, you would like to be sure you get to go to heaven. That's a nice byproduct. But, but, and the offer is there, but it's just whole. It's complete. It's come, come to me. And invite you during this this time of of, um, prayer and this time of offering to consider. Is there some part of you that you hold back from God because you want to keep control? You don't want God 
to be in control. You don't want him to be king. You want to be king. What I've found in my own life, and here I can quote some of uh, with Jesus. It's the thing I can talk about with certainty. Is that when I've been king, it doesn't work out. It, it is just wrong. When God is king, I know even in the midst of the worst storms that it is right and that it is good. It is life abundant that Jesus promised a little later in the story. If you today are here struggling with, with that huge act of faith. One, you're, you're not alone. I mean, Nicodemus had the same struggles. He had the same wonders. And, and he, he pops up a couple more times in, in the story. But hear from me that when I'm in control, it falls apart. I'm an idiot. And God isn't. And when he is king, when he rules, then he leads me to the ways that are beautiful and filled with life. And I invite you to the same. Put your whole self in. Because it is the way of life abundant.